Welcome to the Dynamax Podcast, Maine's premier powerlifting and strength sports podcast. From studios in Westbrook, Maine, with your hosts, Matt Israelson and Matt Strong. Good evening, everybody. We are once again live, Studio 308 in Westbrook. Uh, who's this we got with us tonight, Matt? He looks kind of familiar. Uh, I think it's Ryan Montague. Yeah. Pretty big. Th- What's up? I think he's actually technically been on every podcast but the first one. You're absolutely right, because he does our excellent intro. Welcome to the Dynamax Podcast. Sound familiar, <laughs> folks? Studio 308. Is this skipping right here? It's either Ryan Montague or Doyle Kennedy. If you don't know who that is, folks, Google him. I don't know who that is. You should. That's a compliment. Thank you, man. You know who that is? I wish I I could deadlift like Doyle. Okay, so if you don't know who it is, folks, look it up. This guy looks just like him. All right, Matty. Wednesday, uh, still looking at the second week of November for the meet? Well, here's the issue with the meet. Okay. The karate school is moving. So the meet is either going to be October 28th and 29th, or that second week in November. I, I will have an answer for for everybody interested by Friday. I just I just can't give you any more than that because I'm dependent on someone else. Yep, I'm waiting on the so location. So if we have to move it up, you'll still get a good eight weeks training. Great. Um, in other news, uh, we've been giving a little bit of support, a little bit of shout out to the West Side vs. the World documentary. They reached their goal of a hundred grand. They reached their stretch goal of 120 grand, and I think they ended with like 137 thousand dollars for that movie. I can't wait for that to come out. We're gonna have to do a little. Does that uh, mean it's available, or it, it means that they basically can finish production? Oh. The extra 100 grand was for like the lawyers and all the. I think they've already shot everything. Okay. Uh, but they're gonna use the 100 grand for all the production, and they're gonna use the extra 20 grand that they got for a celebrity uh, commentator, which is gonna be awesome. I ordered. I had the forty dollars commitment, so I'm yes. gonna get all the DVDs, which will be sweet. We'll get a projector set up in here. Oh, cool. Okay, so tell everybody how to get them then. I guess again. Uh, I know, well, I know. at this point, I'm not sure how. I think you'd have to go to Westside vs. the World. Oh, okay. And uh, just Google Westside vs. the World right. if you're interested in getting that stuff. Westside uh, versus the World, folks. That's right. It's no longer available on Kickstarter, but the beauty of it is now it'll be available everywhere. Hopefully Netflix. That's awesome. That's huge support. 120 grand. That's crazy. That's ridiculous. I know. I was saying, that's the first Kickstarter that I put money towards. It's actually... I never even heard of Kickstarter. It's a, They call it crowdfunding. Oh, okay. So it's basically, you whether it's, you know, if you wanted to start a sunglasses company uh, or make a Dynamax documentary, okay. you could basically say, okay, we need 100 grand. Okay. And you either, you know, so people commit to it, and you either hit your goal and you yep. get all the money, right. or if you don't hit the goal, you don't get any of the money. Uh-huh. A lot of powerlifters will set up a GoFundMe or a Kickstarter to, yeah. to fund their expenses to yes. travel to a world yes, meet or, yes. or an international meet. So Do they usually that, that's make always it interesting. Sometimes, you know, kind of hope they I don't. Would wanna, kind of I, I wouldn't do that unless it was for like a Wounded Warrior thing or something. I don't think no. that. Yeah, yeah. Now that I think about it, I did do one Kickstarter to get a dog <laughs> from Puerto Rico to Maine. Oh, that's... You mean okay. save them? Yeah. Oh, that's a good. Yeah. yeah. So that was a good one. That, uh, that was surprisingly expensive. They definitely needed the help. I don't think if you need help to get to your powerlifting meet, you uh, you raise your own money. Yeah, that's right. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Go I'd, get a second job. Exactly. Yeah. Or don't go. No, you <laughs> go next year. <laughs> you know, fuck it. Save the money. All right. So Maddie and I. Have oh, in news. Can yes. I, can yes, I interject please. my own bit of news? Yeah. So there's an Andre Milanichev squat seminar 
in Massachusetts, November 19th. It's at Total Performance Sports in oh, Malden. CJ yeah. Murphy. Yep, Murphy and uh, it, Andre Milanichev, one of the best, if not the best squatter in the world. Uh, multiple all-time world record holder. What um, body weight? Uh, I want to say super heavyweight. I think he's okay. super heavy. But he also had the all, the highest squat ever. Okay. Um, until very recently when uh, Vlad Did Then Vlad come back and do it? Yeah, with 500 kilograms. Before yeah. that, um, Andre had it with uh, 1069. Okay. So, and I'm, I'm confident that that he can he can break that at 500. That's wild. If anybody Vlad, can. Vlad made a big comeback. Woo! He's an Israeli, I believe. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he was a multiply. Well, he went from uh, multiply to raw with wraps. Yeah. Right? Blew yeah. his knees out. Yeah. And came back to squat 500 uh, kilos. I think raw. Yeah. Or 1,100 yeah. pounds raw. Yeah, I believe he's an Israeli lifter. Ridiculous. That's insane. So. One of the chosen ones. <laughs> uh, Maddie and I have the pleasure of knowing who Ryan Montague is. We work out with you on the daily um, for those who don't know, uh, you're a powerlifter. You're a nice guy. You've got a lovely wife who also works out here. You've got a couple of dogs. Hello, Molly. Hi, Molly. Hey, Molly. I think she's going to be coming in. She, she, might, might, be, she might be here. I she might po- poke her head in, which would be uh, a little treat for the listeners. Um, but anyways, as far as a powerlifter goes, 705 squat, 435 bench, 615 deadlift, 1747 total. Is that at 275? That would be yes. That total is at two seventy five. Two seventy five, yep. completely drug free. Just you come in, you put the work in, and you you compete. No brag, no boast. He just trains. That's no, right. That's it. Yeah, I enjoy the process. Pleasure to have him around. Yeah, kind of like what we were talking about last week, the way powerlifting used to be. Yeah. No. No. Uh, no BS. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I just wanted to. Go, what's going on with your training right now? What What are you uh, What are you working for? Training's going good. Um, I don't really have a meet picked out at the moment. Um, would like to do a full meet, possibly by the end of the year. Um, kind of just doing, I guess, what you'd call off-season training right now. Um, but my off-season training doesn't really ever look any different. Than, I was gonna say, it still looks a lot yeah. like powerlifting training. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, um, just uh, recently did a push pull, um, and uh, would like to would like to do uh, a full meet, possibly by the end of the year. We'll see what what comes up and, and what's out there and how my training is going. So. How many times do you compete in a year, Ryan? One to two. One to two. Yeah, I think. Uh, so you I try to do like a full meet and a push pull, or no? It just you know do a meet and then I sort of you know start over again, do some GPP stuff, some off season training, and and then um, wait until I really feel you know that drive to compete again. Um, and it, it happens to be about once to twice a year. I think the most that I've ever done was three meets in a year. Um, but, uh, yeah, if I could do one to two and, and stay healthy and, and consistently hit small PRs, I'll be happy. That's the that's the name of the game, from what I understand. So now you are, and we want to hold this against you, a Floridian. I'm from Florida originally, yes. When did you move to Maine? We moved to Maine in 2014. So you moved with Molly. Moved with Molly, Were you yep. married at this point? Yeah, okay. yeah. Um, yeah, got married in Florida, um, and then uh, had we had vacationed in Maine a few times, and really um, fell in love with it uh, up here, and decided that if we ever had the opportunity, we would relocate. And I had just left um, a job that I was working in Florida, so I was in between jobs. Molly had the opportunity to transfer up here, so we said, "Fuck it, let's do it, let's go." And um, that was in 2014. Yeah, been here ever since. Cool. I'm glad you did. Yeah. Not uh, the chilly winters don't uh, bother you guys too much, dude. Florida is so hot. 
It is so ridiculously <laughs> hot in Florida that I, I love the winter, man. I like um, just recently here we had a few crisp days, mm-hmm. and my mood instantly changes. I get happy. It's like an instant antidepressant when it when it dips below seventy. Oh yeah, and that humidity drops, and you get that crisp air. That is like which, once it's hoodie season. I think uh, I'm a big fan of hoodie season myself. I love hoodies. I uh, I don't have the blood type. I don't think to for real hot weather. I just melt. <sighs> So. No, it's so humid down there, and, you know, if you step outside for more than 10 minutes, you're drenched in sweat. You need a shower again, and um, everything's air-conditioned. Everyone keeps it at, like, 72 degrees at all times, and, um, yeah, there's a few months out of the year where it where it gets in the 60s and 70s, and that's nice, but, um, but no, I, I love the winters up here. Do you do any snowboarding skiing, any snowmobiling, ice fishing? I do. Uh, we bought a, a disc, a, like a sledding disc. And we take that to some hills, and I've you know ran to some trees and stuff with that. And that was <laughs> that was a lot of fun. Uh, I would really like to snowboard. Yeah, uh, to learn how to I snowboard. I could see you as a snowboarder. Well, as you know, uh, used to fruit boot. That's right. Back in the day, that was it? So we used to skate. Oh, aggressive um, rollerblading. Yeah, yeah. Matt Strong used to skate as well, and. Um, so yeah, I would like to, and, and they're kind of similar, you know. I so. totally, I always forget about that. That is the weirdest parallel. Oh yeah, dude. Um, so yeah, I was doing a pistol squat in here, uh, one so a one-legged squat, and I, I had probably been lifting a Dynamax for like a month, and Ryan goes, "Oh, so you're doing a fish brain," and I'm like, How? "Which is the name of the aggressive rollerblading move?" It was a trick. Was, oh, okay. It's like it's a skate trick. It was, yeah, and so I was like, "How in the hell?" Do you know what that is? And when we found like that, just blew my mind. That parallel. It's, I mean, it's weird enough to powerlift. Yeah. And to have also done aggressive rollerblading, which is another strange niche sport. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And um, especially now, which it was bigger back in the day. Right. In the '90s and early yeah. 2000s. Now it's really esoteric. But um, yeah, yeah, used to skate, and you know, I've only been powerlifting for five years. So started when I was 30, and. Um, didn't really do anything athletic prior to that, except for skating, which is not really a sport. Right. I wouldn't think of it as, you know, athletic. No, but it kept you probably, you know, I mean, supple. You, you know, know, you were ready to do something like yeah, this. Yeah, well, as Matt will attest, it required a certain amount of agility, speed, power, explosiveness, balance, coordination, Your which are all athletic. Were good. Yeah, absolutely. And those are all athletic characteristics, but we never thought of it as No, because the, the intent is not athleticism. It's simply to do the trick and do the yeah. trick better and faster and cleaner than the last time yeah. and eventually do more tricks. And we never trained for it. We just did it. Right. You, you just, know, just went out. Right. Yeah. I was thinking about that today. Like, if I were to go to a skate park now, yeah. would I be programming for for moves? I know. You know? Or would yeah. I just skate? Like, I feel like the way that my brain works yeah. now. I feel like, would my squat help my, my jumping? Oh, totally. Like, would. would I be able to, to hit oh, a bigger, yeah. like, gap or a ledge or something, like, with my, my squat strength? So Absolutely. I, I think about that now. I was gonna say, the biggest carryover from uh, rollerblading to powerlifting for me was core strength and yeah. jumping ability. Because yeah. jumping ability translates directly into deadlifting yeah. and squatting. Absolutely. Ah, uh, so that that helped. That was my really my really only uh, athletic background prior to powerlifting. Yeah, yeah, also, sure. Um, so we talked a little bit about your training. Yeah, you've I've tried to pick your brain about programming in the past. Yeah, and it seems to me like you don't have follow a real strict program. Not really. I guess I'm just curious. What is your strategy for strength? Because as you mentioned, you are just chipping away, slowly adding to the total, slowly making small PRs, and you seem to do it pretty consistently. So, as someone who's you know totally drug free, yeah, how have you uh, how have you gone about that? So, to preface a bit, so when I started uh, training for powerlifting, yep. um, prior to that, I'd basically just been going to the gym, 
you know, just to try to stay active. It was after I'd stopped rollerblading, so I wasn't really doing anything active. Um, I just started going to the gym um, when I was in college. I went to Florida State, and we had a great athletic training center. I used probably 1% of it, um, and I would just, to stay active, you know, hit the elliptical or the row machine just for a half an hour. On. Yeah, and then do like a, a half an hour circuit of, you know, isolation exercises. Whatever machine was open. Yeah, absolutely no background in sports or sports and fitness or strength and fitness or, or anything like that. Um, and, you know, fast forward about, you know, four to five years, I started... Uh, you know, wanting to have a more structured type of workout. You know, I was out of college, I was going to the commercial gym and, and doing the same thing, jumping on the elliptical or the Stairmaster for half an hour and then doing a half an hour of isolation machines. Um, and this would have been in the late, I would say this was about the late 2000s, mid to late 2000s. And at the time, um, the sort of gym paradigm at the time was you know, this carryover of the 70s, 80s, and 90s sort of bodybuilder mentality. Right. Um, which, in your average commercial gym, there weren't really many real bodybuilders. It was very just much bros. a... Bros. Just bros. Gym bros. But it was more of a pseudo bodybuilder uh, paradigm, you know, where guys would go in and they'd work on their chest and their pecs and their biceps and, you know, do the pec deck and then bicep curls and that was it. And that's what you'd see at the commercial gym. So I started looking online because I didn't really want to do that. I wanted to do something else. And... I started looking around online, and what started to crop up online about around that time, and I can I can pinpoint three distinct uh, sort of websites or or gyms um, that that cropped up around that time that were completely anathema to that gym bro culture. Um, the first one is uh, Jim Jones, J Y M Jones. Which not was, associated with no, diplomats. absolutely not. Okay. No, no. Uh, it was actually founded by a guy named Mark Twight. He was an alpine uh, mountaineer, elite alpine mountaineer, and he came up with this training system called Jim Jones. Uh, and they actually, you recall the movie Three Hundred? Oh yeah, big movie. In, yeah, I think two thousand six, yeah, yeah, yeah. two thousand seven. Yeah. He actually trained those guys. No uh, shit. Um, and then he came out with something called the Three Hundred Workout. I remember that. Three Hundred Workout. Totally right. Remember hearing right. that. And so, and Mark Twight, Jim Jones, that was one. Uh, two was a guy named Ross Enemate, and he was an MMA and boxing trainer. And he had a website called Ross Training, and it was very similar to Jim Jones. It was super low-key, DIY, full-body compound movements um, for time, you know, a lot of homemade equipment, a lot of uh, just what you would call functional, uh, you know, functional lifting or functional moving, which now has sort of a taboo to it. Um, but at the time, it was a completely novel concept. And the third, which everyone knows now because mm -hmm. it's by far the biggest, was CrossFit. And back then, CrossFit was just, I believe, a one-page website that posted a workout of the day and had a few YouTube videos out. So, But those three uh, sort of movements or websites, you know, started getting a lot of traction online. And I started looking into those a lot because I thought, this is really cool. Like, this is something new. It's something I've not seen at the commercial gyms. And, you know, it, to me, it seems like something um, really useful and beneficial for everyday life. And so I started doing a lot of the Ross training workouts and the Jim Jones 300-style workouts and even some of the early CrossFit workouts. And, of course, I would do them in a commercial gym. And, again, this was in the late 2000s uh, before the, the total paradigm shift, before there was a CrossFit box on every corner, um, and before commercial gyms had their own, Bumper you know, plates and yeah, yeah. GHR. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, and people would look at you like you were crazy. You know, you'd be doing, you know, 20 pull-ups, 20 push-ups, 20 dips, box jumps, medicine ball throws. And I remember on several occasions people would come up to me and say, 
what are you training for? I was just going to say. What are you that. doing? They'd be like, are you training to be in the military or something? And I'd be like, no, I'm just, I'm working out, man. This is how, you know, I want to work out. And um, that's that's how bizarre it was at the time, you know, that type of, of training style. Now it's commonplace. That's almost the de facto now. But back then it was very foreign. Um, and then so I, I started getting really into that in the late 2000s. Um, and then sometime around, I want to say 2008, 2009, CrossFit hired a, a barbell coach, and he was the guy who would do all their barbell programming. He would go around the country and give certifications on the barbell lifts, and the guy that they hired was Mark Ripito, which Mark Ripito, uh, you know, starting strength, mm-hmm. Texas method, um, practical programming, you know, uh, basically um, a young athlete's barbell guru, strength guru. Um, he gets a lot of flack in the powerlifting community for some of his his stances on things, but when it comes to training young, you know, middle school, high school athletes, he is he is an authority on that subject. And so he introduced a lot of CrossFit people to basic barbell lifting, uh, bench press, squat, deadlift, row, overhead press, power clean, and and I was one of those people that he introduced those lifts to. And I remember saying, okay, I'm going to start to incorporate some of these barbell movements in my workouts. And I fell in love with it immediately, you know. And um, You got bit by the bug. I got the bug almost immediately. And I was horrible at it. Um, you know, I was trading a commercial gym, you know, didn't have a coach, uh, didn't have anyone to show me anything. It was basically reading uh, descriptions online and, and uh, you know, in starting strength and watching what few tutorials there were online to try to figure out how to squat and how to bench press and how to deadlift and do these movements. Um, and then, uh, you know, th- through that, um, just started a very, very basic barbell training program. Um, and then uh, got into powerlifting when a guy named Jim Windler came out with Heard of him. 531. That's right. And I said, well, this seems like the next logical step from the sort of 5x5 five five starting strength style programming. Not to mention, you know, I, uh, I gravitated toward the Jim Windler aesthetic of sort of you know, a tough guy with tattoos who liked metal and talked about lifting weights. And I was like, yeah, this is fucking cool, man. I got to, you know, this is sweet. And Jim came from a much more of a powerlifting background than Mark Ripito did. Um, Jim was a huge multiply lifter. I believe he trained at Westside, um, worked for Elite FTS, you know, best buddies with Dave Tate. And um, he came out with 531. And I thought, okay, well, I'm going to start doing this. I'm going to start doing 531. This was probably around 2011. Um, and then I thought, you know, I'm training like this. I want to do a meet. And so in 2012, um, right, I want to say right after I turned 30, I said, I'm going to sign up for a meet. And I found a local meet, uh, found it through powerliftingwatch.com. Nice. It was an APA meet in the middle of nowhere in Florida. It was in Arcadia, Florida, which is known for its antique shops. But there was an old, <laughs> there was an old ass gym in, uh, in the antique district, a hole in the wall gym, old school gym. And um, I think they even had one of those old-timey waist trainers. Yeah, yeah. You know, these days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had a jiggler. And, um, <laughs> and uh, so I signed up for a meet there, trained for it, and um, went and I did it. And it was the smallest, shittiest meet that I've ever oh, been to. The but APA it, meets are... But it was my favorite meet. Yeah. To date, my absolute favorite meet. Um, and I can tell you, there were about 15 competitors there, about 15 lifters ranging from 16 to 70, men and women, uh, raw, multiply, and (laughs) one interesting thing about the meet is that the day of the meet, the equipment guys fell through, 
So the people who are going to be bringing the squat rack, the bench, and all the weights and equipment, they fell through. So we had to compete using <laughs> this guy's gym equipment and his old hole-in-the-wall gym. We squatted out of a 45-degree squat rack. Nice. Um, yeah, we benched out of a bench with, like, the racks were the width of the bench. You know what I oh, mean? Oh, so you had to go outside yeah, the racks yeah. to... Oh, yeah. nice. And, um, and, but I didn't... I honestly didn't know any better, first of all. Second of all, there were people... I went alone. I didn't... I went by myself. And um, there were people there. The, the people that were there were cheering for me as loudly as they were cheering for their family and their friends who were there. And I thought, this is fucking great. This is really cool. That's you know about powerlifting. The yeah, absolutely. Good part. And I met... I, I to this day, um, still keep in contact with most of the people at the meet. Mm-hmm. And during that one meet... The hole in the wall gym in Florida um, with 15 lifters, I learned so much. I learned more about powerlifting at that meet than I had the previous two years researching, learning about it online. And and from there on, I was I was pretty much hooked. Right. And um, yeah. And then uh, there's a good chance that equipment was never on the way because I've been I've been <laughs> <laughs> I've been to a couple of the meets. Yeah. Took some people to a couple of those. Yeah. meets. And there was no judges. There was. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing about that meet. But anyway. No, the other interesting thing about that meet is that, I don't know if this is a common experience, but for my first meet, I thought, you know, I'm a new lifter, but I've got some good lifts. I'm going to do pretty well. I think well. it's great that you did that meet. Yeah, yeah. no. But I, I thought to myself, you know, i got some good gym lifts. I'm going to go in there. I'm going to do pretty well. And then you get outlifted by a guy who's 70 pounds lighter than you, and it's really humbling. And you're like, wow. This is there's some room yeah, to grow they're, they're, here. Absolutely, yeah. And so it's motivating. It's educational. It's you know, I yeah, I just fell in love with it. And then um, how'd you do? I squatted in the low fours, uh, benched in the low threes, and deadlifted. I want to say around 500. Um, That's solid, man. Yeah, the, the the bench program I did leading up to that, I did the Smolov Junior bench program, which is three weeks benching four days a week, very high volume. It's a 10 by 6, 8 by 5, 8 by 4, 7 by 5, 6 by 6. And you repeat that for three weeks, adding wow. 5 to 10 pounds a week. My shoulders were destroyed at the end of it. I could never do it now. In a good way or, or a bad way? Oh, in a bad way. Oh, they okay. were, oh I had tendonitis. Oh, I no. had elbow, shoulder tendonitis from the Small Log Junior program. I was 30, mm-hmm. you know. So All right, that, It's not like you were 16. No, no. This or 18. And, but it put a good 40 pounds on my bench. Like wow. I think my best prior to that was like 280 or something. And I bitched low threes at the meet. So it, it was a huge uh, uh, boost to my bench, you know, running that peaking cycle. But um, I could never do it again. And uh, fall apart. Yeah, yeah. But that was, uh, yeah, that was an awesome meet. And then after that, a barbell club opened up in Sarasota, well, the town I was living in at the time. And um, I started training there, did some, some meets down there, um, moved to Orlando, started training in Orlando Barbell with uh, Brian tell, Schwab. Tell Matt about him. Oh, Brian Schwab. Uh, so he's a 148, 165 lifter. Um, single ply and multi ply. One of the greatest lifters in the world. Multi, multi time world record holder. Um, just and just a super nice guy and a wonderful guy. Ridiculously strong. Um, runs a great gym. You know he's been lifting for twenty years. Still, still progressing. Still competing. Running a gym. He does a lot with the Special Olympics. Yeah. And um, yeah, he's so one uh, of the really one of the greatest absolutely. lifters going. Yeah. And, and what another another guy like we were talking about, Matt. Just no bullshit. No. Just a, a good solid guy. Yep. Absolutely. To the core. Yeah. He sent me a T-shirt. I sent he him a did, T-shirt. Yeah. Yeah. 
you know, met a lot of good friends down there at uh, OBB. Um, still friends with them to this day, and they run. They uh, Brian Schwab is the Florida chair of the APF. Oh, yeah. So he runs. Yeah, look uh, up Brian Schwab, folks, if yeah. you haven't heard from heard he, of him. He runs the uh, Central huge Florida. Huge lifts. He's got yeah, huge. Lifts. Absolutely. Yeah, he has the M two method. Yeah. Um, and uh, which is his training method, and yeah, a lot of a lot of good guys in his stable that he trains, and they all do, they all do pretty well. But yeah, and then um, uh. You know, train there, and then we moved up here. And I and um, when we moved up here, I knew I had to find a powerlifting gym. And did you know you were going to be moving to Portland already? We knew. We, yes, yes, we knew we wanted to move um, to this area. Um, and uh, that's actually um, because uh, the job opportunity that Molly had was to um, you know work at the main mall. I was going to say so, it's the same spot. Yep, yep. Wow. And so we knew it would be in this area, and so. You know, I kind of looked online, didn't really, you know, was unable to, to find a gym on my own. So I posted to the Outlaws message board, oh, yeah. um, which uh, is a great powerlifting message. It's really not. It's a bunch of racists and uh, horrible people on there. But <laughs> I, um, <laughs> I, I've been on it for years. <laughs> yeah. But I, uh, I posted on it. Isn't that kind of Burley Hawk is famous for being, uh, having some uh, presence on, on that? Oh, uh, all the, yeah, a lot of notorious. Uh, powerlifters post there sometimes anonymously sometimes not but it's always good for a laugh if you're if you're bored at work google outlaw powerlifting forum um and uh, so i posted a message on there saying hey i'm going to be moving to southeastern maine anybody know of any good powerlifting gyms and um a member here actually said yeah there's a gym called dynamax come check it out and so um i came to check it out and uh you know, Maddie gave me a free workout, Rest and uh, yeah, I think I squatted here my first day, and then I've been here ever since. And we're glad awesome. of it. Yeah, damn right. I mean, I feel like you are one of the kind of quintessential Dynamax lifters. You know, when you come into Dynamax, you almost expect to see a few people, and you are absolutely one of them. You did. You you almost like a part of what Dynamax is. That that's kind of the cool part of this gym. Yeah, you know, like any gym, some people come, some people go, but there's there are a few faces that uh, you always see, and they're always nice. They're always willing to help out and lend a hand, and, and it's a really good atmosphere, and, and um, you know, they've got everything you need if you're a powerlifter or just general strength enthusiast. Yeah, strong Whatever avenue you want. I hope, I hope that's what people think. <laughs> so speaking of just this being a – always that being able to lend a helping hand, yeah. you were one of the most chipper – happiest people in the gym I've never seen you in a bad mood how do you do that Ryan <laughs> uh, that's a tough one but yeah a great wife yeah I don't know um, you know well okay so you're very gonna... you're very optimistic yeah yeah they just seem you know like you know if someone comes up to you with some shitty news you know how to roll it the other way or if you could tell if someone's having a bad day you know how to kind of throw a shoulder into them and make them smile it's a it's quite the skill that you have, so I'm just curious, you know, is there any... So not to get too heady All here, right. but um, so uh, when I went to college, I went for philosophy, and um, um, here huge, we go. huge interest in philosophy. One of my favorite philosophers, who's actually a more of a novelist, uh, writer, you know, sort of a literary philosopher, was Albert Camus, the French... Camus, yeah. Yeah. He was an absurdist, and he, um, you know, he sort his sort of governing theory uh, about life was that life is absurd, and it just is. And so I, you know, I subscribe to that to a degree where, you know, there's a certain absurdity to everything. Right. And when you approach life with that sort of outlook, um, you know, I do get mad. 
from time to time. So there are things that, that bug me, obviously. But I try to look at everything through that absurdist framework, and it's it's difficult to ever really let anything weigh down on you um, when you are when you have that type of outlook. So when everything is just ridiculous. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's life is crazy, and especially the times that we live in today are especially nuts. Yeah. I, like, I really like that outlook. That's a... A very simple way to think about it. I mean, life's crazy. Yeah. Why let the bad crazy get you down? Yeah. It's, exactly. It's that simple. Yeah. And also, I've just found, you know, through through my own personal experience, it's a lot like you're happier internally if you're happier externally. You know, it takes a lot of energy to be negative. Yeah. Yeah. It's young. Absolutely. When I was younger, I was I was kind of an asshole. I was kind of a douchebag when I was younger, and it just, uh, it took so much energy, and it took so much out of you, and I wasn't happy. You gotta try. You know, yeah, yeah, happiness is definitely a choice, and, you know, like I said, things definitely piss me off, but unless it's life-threatening to me or my family, who the fuck cares? That's a good you know? way to think Spot about in it. time. Gives a shit. Right? So, yeah, yeah. Spot in time. Oh man, that's that was one thing that just, like, stood out from day one, is that this guy loves life, and he, he's good yeah. at... I yeah that you know putting the happiness externally and then having it resonate internally yeah that that really uh and that hit some chords with me honestly when you're as handsome and intelligent <laughs> and you know as blessed as I am it's it's hard to be <laughs> he has a great he's got a great face for this too. <laughs> a, a, for a, podcast. Great, a face for podcast yeah he's wonderful absolutely <laughs> and a, vo- a voice for print right? matinee idol. <laughs> That's why oh we. Uh, that's why you don't catch these podcasts live on YouTube yet. <laughs> that and we are uh, kind of lacking the technology. <laughs> well, just picture Brad Pitt or something, everybody. Yeah, yeah, like a more jacked. Yeah, more Brad Pitt. Brad, yeah, yeah. Ru- ruggedly yeah. built. Way Brad. more jacked, Brad Pitt. Or yeah. George Clooney, one yeah. of these guys. Yeah, I take George Clooney, kind of just compress him. Compress him. <laughs> Put some tattoos on him. Pull the beard hairs out. Hey, listen, I'll take you over those two any day. <laughs> <laughs> They're not even welcome here. Uh, anyway. So a little bit before this podcast, we were talking um, about your uh, your pre workout, yeah, your lack thereof. Um, so you're you, lately you weren't just for pre workout; you were just on the monster. Yeah, I mean, for the last couple years, I was on monster hardcore, uh, the big, you know, tall boy, the monster twist, zeros. The twist can. Every once in a while, I do a twist can. Yeah. Um, and uh, I had been on those for a couple years. Those are expensive, man. They I mean, are, dude. I, well, I would order them. Like, you could order the cases from, like, Amazon. And so, okay. So, back in Sarasota. <laughs> listen, back, this is how bad it was. Back in Sarasota, I found this Rockstar energy drink that I loved. And it was so good. I would drink it every day before working out. And then one day I go to the gas station. There's a gas station across the street from the gym. I went in and I bought this thing and, and the, the lady at the gas station goes oh you know they're they're not going to make those anymore and I was like what do you mean she was like that flavor they're not going to make it which flavor was it oh it was called Rockstar Exodurance okay and um, and I go yeah, they're not going to make it she goes no she goes we're getting our last shipment tomorrow and I go how much mm-hmm. and she goes well it's a case I said save it I said I will buy it and so I bought the next day, you know, after, on my way to the gym, I stopped. She had saved it, and I bought a case of this fucking Rockstar Exodurance. It was like 80 cans. I don't, like, it was, <laughs> <laughs> it was so many cans. And, um, you know, I loaded them in my trunk, and I took them home. And, like, and so I didn't have to buy a pre-workout for, like, a year. Um, and then when I ran out and I went back to the gas station, they were still selling them. And I was like, what you said they were going to... She's like, that's what they told me. I was like, I bought like a year's supply of these fucking things. So, 
Anyway, but yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, I was a huge uh, like Monster Energy drink junkie to the point where you know they sell unleaded. Uh, they call it unleaded Monster. It's Monster without the caffeine. Oh. So if you just want the, the taste, flavor. and I had been tempted to buy that, like, because I just want it. Just as like placebo. It, it's like caffeine. It's like a decaf right. coffee. Yeah. It's like unleaded Monster. But um, I stopped. Uh, I stopped drinking it probably two months ago. Um, and uh, at first, my workouts were a little sluggish, but since then, my sleep has definitely improved, mm -hmm. and I don't really even need the pre-workout anymore. Um, I come, I lift, I, I don't really, um, you know, I don't really seem to need it as much anymore. Would you, uh, if you if you were to do a meet, you think you'd? Absolutely. Okay. The push-pull I did, I think I drank two monsters. Oh, gotcha. I drank one before uh, bench and one before deadlift. And I uh, was totally off the wall because even <laughs> even then I, I hadn't been drinking them for a few weeks up to that, so I was I think slightly desensitized. So I was I was wired. When, uh, absolutely, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. All right, so how about I give you two guys one of these to split for your pre-workout? Oh, yeah. All right. I will yeah. take it. You guys, absolutely. Don't you have a little drawer in there? You keep stuff in. Yeah, I uh, uh, I don't, but I could stick it in Hanks or. Uh, so we're usually here about the same so time. So I'd like to get you review it. So it's, you guys split that. Yeah. So what Maddie? what it is? Yeah. So what Maddie just handed us was a uh, built. Yes, it's a uh, it's a supplement that Maddie's developed right here, literally, right here, right. Correct. Um, so it doesn't travel far from uh, process to no. uh, consumption, um, and it's really. I mean, it's pretty. Uh, it's got, I mean, as I was saying, it's got nothing that could really hurt you, only benefit you. That's why I went that route. I didn't want any liability with any stimulants. So that's the route I went. And then you just said you're basically not looking for that anymore anyway. I am basically stimulant-free at this So point. I think you're going to like that. And Maybe I, so a I want you guys to split weekends, that. Just a little meth on the weekend? Just a little on the weekend. Whatever yeah. it takes. Yeah, taste. I mean, you know. yeah. But um, no, this is great. Yeah, thank you, Maddie. The uh, Seven grams of creatine, seven grams of L-glutamine. Which, by the way, Emily Steezy, who you had on the podcast, yeah. I asked her how much glutamine she took, because um, she is the glute. Yeah. You know. <laughs> uh, and uh, uh, 4.5 uh, 4. grams of BCAA. Thank you, Maddie. This is yeah. great. Yeah. Yeah. So do you, I, it's white. Yeah, you're going to have to put it? that in something sweet. Okay. <laughs> no. Just, I got plastic spoons here. All it takes is uh, a cool. two tablespoons. What's it say? I can't sweet. Let me see this. Yep, yep, two tablespoons. So we'll put we'll throw a spoon bed. in there, which I have. And you recommend taking this with something sweet. You got like to Gatorade. because you got to make the creatine work. The other two will be fine, but the creatine needs a, the uh, sweetener. Opens, opens that cell door because you want to volumize your cell with the creatine. Okay. And that's how you get a cell door open. Sweet. With something sweet. You've given me quite a few samples of this so yeah. far, and I have been loving it. I've just began. So a there's great, one review already. A great nice. pump. Uh, just feeling like. So I'll get a sticker on there. Yeah, no, it's just a it's a great product, and the fact so you that guys keep 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 it wherever you want it. But give me a review. Now, Maddie, I, I hate to bring this up on on air. Yeah. Did you know you spelt built wrong? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's what's the name of that when you call it that language? Somebody told me that language has a has a name when the kids call stuff built and and cracked. C R R K D or something. Well, is that like leet? Yeah. What is it called? Leet. L-E-E-T? That's, That's the like language? super old school nerd. That was like 1237. Oh, I don't you know? know. But I can't even take credit for it. My new, uh, Brian Harris, my web guy. He did a great job he with the... He did a great uh, job with the label and the name, I thought. Yeah. Yeah. The logo's so, very good. So the answer is, 
I don't know how to spell build. Okay, that's all right. That's fine. We're going to go with that. Okay, I like it. There you go, I'd guys. simplify it. Thank you, Maddie. I was telling Ryan, I made a pretty stupid comment. I was trying to break the ice with Ryan. I don't really know him that well, and yeah. I wanted to ask him about doing some stuff for the podcast. Yeah. And he's a graphic designer, and I broke the ice with So do you know Photoshop? You asked him, oh, Brian Harris? Yeah, he's, oh, that's yeah, like what he does uh, professionally, yeah, and he's yeah, like, yes, well, I... It's like asking if you know how to do uh, basic engineering. Right, so if I don't want to... Yeah. Have you ever heard of algebra? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> let's tell the full story. You wanted him to Photoshop bigger delts on you. Yeah, that was what and it came down to. Cannonball delts. Yeah, was, that's what he said. Got delts like cannonballs. That and the calves. Yeah. It's just, you know... Yeah. And he's I think he's still working on it. <laughs> yeah, it takes... Well, I he's good at... I didn't know you asked at, him that. He's good at Photoshop, but he's not that good. No. So, I mean... <laughs> I think he's going to have to just do a face swap with... Uh, me and somebody, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe Ryan. Oh, um, so back to you were asking about training. My yeah. training, yeah. Program, my program. Yeah, we never actually got. So we we got a really good background yeah. on how you yeah. got there. But your strategy now uh, is what I'm still curious with. So you always have a plan. When I you, I've never caught you off guard without a plan. Yeah, and it's it's super basic, super, you know, uh, super common sense. In my opinion, common sense uh, training, um, just very simple progressive overload. You know, just um, try to try to get a little more volume in next week than you did this week, either through additional sets, reps, or weight on the bar. Um, you know, the main movement of the day is as close to the competition movement as possible, um, and then you uh, you know you work on everything else through through accessories and assistance exercises. Um, but right now, so for my squat, I, I don't do the same program for all lifts. Um, for my squat, I'm running a, uh, a heavily modified version of Jim Windler's original 531. Um, it has more volume, uh, so it's not just the basic, you know, 555-331. It has a, you know, there's more volume to it. Instead of doing uh, three weeks on, one week deload, I run six weeks. Um, and then for bench, super simple bench workout where it's literally you work up to a, a heaviest triple. And then you back down and do some volume at uh, at a you know a lighter weight. For me, I don't know, I don't even know what the percentages are, but for me, I usually start with around 365 for a triple, and then back down to three plates for three by ten, you know, four by eight, six by six, something like that. And then literally, you just add two and a half pounds a week. Uh, are until you doing the, any of the lifts twice a week? I do bench. Yes. Well, I, technically, I do all the lifts twice a week. Even deadlift. Even deadlift. Okay. So I do a, a squat workout, a bench workout, mm -hmm. a deadlift workout, and another bench workout. Okay. But on the squat and deadlift workout, as my assistants, mm -hmm. um, on my squat day, I'll do a deadlift variation, and then on my deadlift day, I'll do a squat variation. I got you. And my deadlift, so that's my squat and my bench. My deadlift, um, I've started uh, you know, training in a different way than I've ever trained my deadlift because it's um, uh, my worst lift relative to the other lifts. Um, it's the one that I'm least... Uh, proficient with, uh, the one I feel least comfortable with. Um, and so I've done almost every type of training for the deadlift. I've done, you know, high volume, uh, high frequency. I've done moderate volume, moderate frequency, high intensity, low intensity. Um, but I've I've never done a low frequency deadlift program. And that's what I'm, I'm doing now. Low frequency, now. you mean in terms of how often you do it? How you often pull? you do it, right, exactly. Okay. Um, and technically, I'm still pulling once a week. Only one of those days is really a strength day, um, or I'm, I should say, every other week is a strength day. Yeah, they're like kind of. Yep, and then well, and then on the the uh, sort of the off weeks, um, I'll pull for technique. Uh, very light, um, smart. That's more smart. like you know, very 
very similar to a dynamic effort yeah, day, smart. you know. And so, like for instance, uh, you know, this week uh, is my heavy week. It'll be probably around 500 for a couple doubles, um, and then the week after, it'll be somewhere around you know 365, uh, 375 for a couple doubles or triples. Are um, you four days a week? Four days a week. Yep. Okay. So yep. That, that adds up. Yeah. Okay. So squat, bench, deadlift, bench. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, and then, you know, I just uh, we'll see how it goes. I have never done a, a lower I frequency. I think you'll be happy with the deadlift. Yeah. I found it helped me out quite a bit. Yeah. Because it's you like can't, you just can't keep pulling. Yeah. I, I get wrecked. You, know, you just can't do it. Yeah. I don't. Uh, yeah. And I'm not built for the deadlift. So you're, it's you're not pulling well, but nobody can. You just the frequency just won't work. Yeah. You know. And. Um, yeah, but I never, you know, I never had a coach. I never, when I started, I never had training partners. I never, um, you know, I never really had any sort of guiding philosophy or, or anything like that. So I sort of learned everything on my own and just experimented a ton. Um, you guys might be familiar with Jamie Lewis. He, uh, you know, started a blog called Chaos and Pain, and he's now famous for his uh, supplements. He has uh, the Cannibal supplements. Oh, I don't yeah. know if you've heard of those, like Cannibal I've seen Ferox. That. I've seen that. I've heard of that. Cannibal Holocaust. And I met him at one of the, I went to one of the Raw Unity meets in Florida. I wasn't competing, but I had some teammates who were competing. And I met Jamie Lewis, and I started reading his blog. And his blog was all about experimenting, finding what works for you as an individual, um, and not necessarily, you know, subscribing to any lifting dogma that might work for other people. And he, um, yeah, and I used to read his blog all the time. And um, some of his methods are kind of wacky, um, but but what I really took from it was really experimenting and trying to figure out what works for you, um, and and not really relying on any you know sort of dogma as it relates to training. So one thing that that's interesting is that you you stuck with the gym early on, absolutely, and you have you had the discipline to keep going and to go on the websites and to do the independent research without a coach, without anybody really kind of oh. marking down your neck or anything. Absolutely. What was the, was it just to stay in shape? What was the initial, No, what was, I was, the, what was the fuel behind the fire? I was probably in better shape when I was doing those cardio, you know, pump workouts, you know, when I would hit the, the Stairmaster for half an hour. I don't even know if I could do that now. Um, but no, I just, I, I caught the bug and I you just, just couldn't get enough. I just love, um, well, first of all, I'm a nerd. And so I kind of became a nerd about lifting, you know, and I wanted to read and find out as much as I could about it. And then I just enjoy the process of training. I just enjoy um, coming in and squatting and I, you know, for what it is, I don't really have, uh, for me, um, you know, the, uh, the means is unto itself. You know, I just enjoy the process. I enjoy doing the movements and the fact that I'm progressing on them and getting better and I get to compete um, is all just icing on the cake. Is that the same thing that keeps you going today? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I just, yeah, I just enjoy coming in. It's like skating. Yeah. Like when we used to go skate for fun, I do this for fun yeah. now. No, I, you know I, what I mean? Here, I'm, yeah, I hear you. I Enjoying the process is what makes or breaks a long-term lifter, yeah. I feel. Because I, you know... You're not always going to be hitting these 90% huge bar bending no. numbers. A lot, I mean, the real work is when nobody's looking yeah. and you're doing lightweight for volume and you're just getting it done. 
there was there was a uh, a quote that I read recently. Um, it was either Charles Staley either posted it or or uh, quoted somebody who said it. But he said, you know what the me- the most effective workout is? A boring one. <laughs> like the most effective program is going to be fucking boring. It's going to be coming in and doing basically the same thing week after week and just progressing slowly over time. And I really, um, you know, for me, I found that that's true for me. I, I really agree. Well, with it's that. the only way to get technically good at your li- at the lift. Absolutely. And you know, every time I come in, I learn something. I, you know, every single training session, I'm trying to improve either through technique or strength or, or whatever it is, um, and I'm always learning, and I'm always slightly tweaking things and slightly experimenting to, to figure out how to improve um, on what I'm doing. each move needs to be just second nature to you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, like, an analogy is I play guitar, yep. you know, and I'm a horrible guitar player. You're not um, that bad. I've heard you play. Well, thank you. But, um, yeah, I play, and for me, the practice is what's fun about it. Like I've learned songs and I've actually played songs for people. I think yeah. you heard uh, Mike St- Emily Steezy's husband, Mike and I. We played a song for people, and that was great. But for me, the the real fun is it's just practicing. You like the grind. Yeah, and this is practice. You know, I like to just come in and practice, and and it's just rewarding. At this point of the podcast, we're gonna cut it and put in the Allen Iverson uh, practice. <laughs> practice, man. Um, I think we probably get kicked off of iTunes. Um, so speaking, actually, I've got, I had a question about you being a nerd, but yeah. this is just kind of popped into my okay. head. On the topic of you just being a very chipper guy, always willing to learn, yeah. really enjoying the, your time in the gym. Yeah. What's your biggest gym pet peeve? Oh, goodness. Oh, wow. Um, biggest gym pet peeve. Wow. Let me think about that. He hits everybody with that one. Um... Because I go, I, the, when we asked Amy, we got a super deep answer. So I'm what, what, what was hers? What'd she say? She disrespect, you know. Whether it be for the people, equipment. Yeah. You know, because you think about disrespecting could be leaving uh, your weight on the deadlift bar. But it yeah. could also be, you know, talking shit about somebody. That goes a long way. So obviously that's a huge one. And you're going to see it at any gym. Yeah, well, for the most part. You don't see it very much here. Well, that's what I was going to say. There, I really don't have a lot of pet peeves here. Um you know, every once in a while there'll be just a pile of shit that some inconsiderate person leaves and you have to clean it up or step over it. Um, but aside from that, which is rare, um, really, uh, and, and this is probably more commercial gyms, but seeing someone who equated their self-worth with their strength or their lifting ability and and someone who felt that they were better than someone else because they lifted more, as in anyone in the real world gives a fuck about that, That's right, you about be- your fucking bench press... Like, no one even knows. Like, you can tell a random guy on the street, oh, I bench 400, or oh, I bench 800, and they'd be equally impressed. Because no one fucking knows. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't matter. And mostly they don't care. No. And so, and, and that's what's great here. So, you know, in general, what's great about powerlifting is some of the strongest guys are the most humble and the nicest guys. But if I had a pet peeve, it would be anyone who, you know, conflates their, their lifting with their ego. And they think that first, you know, they don't have to clean up their Which weights. We were talking about on last week's podcast. Yeah. It's it, unfortunately you have you haven't you missed it, but you're aware of it. Yeah. Matt kind of missed out yeah. on it. It didn't used to be like that, and it's kind of the way it's going. But anyway, maybe we guys like you can help nip it. Oh, absolutely. Well, yeah, and a big way to nip it is to just to ignore it. Yeah, and just say okay. Like, and I am all, you know, I congratulate everyone when they hit a PR, when they do well at a meet. I'm super impressed by strong people. Um, but don't be, you know, don't let it go to your head. Because yeah. number one, it doesn't matter. 
And number two, no one gives a fuck. And number three, you're never going to be the strongest one in the gym. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, unless you're one dude, you're not going to be the strongest guy on planet Earth. That's right. And I guarantee you that whoever that guy is, probably not a powerlifter. Probably just a random dude working in a fucking coal mine or something. Uh-huh. That probably you works know? up in uh, Town Share 58 up in Maine. No uh-huh. one's ever heard of him. Throws logs. Probably uh, talks like this. Works up in... Uh, yeah. Ellsworth there, bub. I'm yeah. sorry. No offense to the Mainers. <laughs> Triggered. <laughs> Not bad for a Florida guy. <laughs> People from Ellsworth are about to be pissed. Come on, is this it big in Ellsworth? For a dude from Florida. No, is is the podcast big in Ellsworth? Sorry, it. Ellsworth people. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry there, bub. It is a wicked bad uh, accent. <laughs> All right, that was Mayor Quimby, I think, from The Simpsons. <laughs> um, so, so on the topic of you being a nerd... The nerdiest thing that I get from you what? is your obsession with these really weird, scary movies. Oh, I that love no I'm one's huge, ever oh heard of. Oh my god, I'm a huge horror buff. I've always <laughs> loved horror movies. Did you hear that? It was Bodie. Bodie's here. Bodie. <laughs> um, sorry, my Molly brought uh, Molly, my wife, brought our dog uh, Bodie in. Um, and I love horror movies. I'm a huge horror movie buff. I've always liked horror movies. And to find the really good ones, you kind of have to like go to foreign markets or go to the indie horror films or the real obscure um, movies because you know you see the commercial horror movies and they're made for a broad audience. They're not that you know they're not that scary. They're pretty formulaic. Um, but yeah, I'm always down. I know you know back in Florida, I used to go to horror conventions. We had a horror convention uh, every year in Orlando, which was a lot of fun, and go see all the. Uh, they had a horror movie. Uh, Film Fest, and we'd see all the unreleased indie films, you know, they would debut there, which is really cool. But yeah, I love horror movies, and um, yeah, so if anybody has any horror movie suggestions, let me is know. Is Eraserhead a horror movie? Kind of. It's more, I would say Eraserhead is more of an avant garde okay. sort of, you know, experimental uh, film. Okay. Um, which it definitely has horror elements to it. Okay. There, there are certainly some horrific parts to it. Um, but I don't think that uh, it would be classified as, as strictly horror. Okay. I don't even know if you can classify it as, as all. It's such a bizarre film. Okay. Um, but yeah, David Lynch. Uh, yeah, he, he could he could do. Is he the dude with the hair? No, he's the director. Oh, okay. He, he wrote and directed uh, Eraserhead. Okay. And um, definitely some hor- horrific elements to it. Okay. But um, but yeah, love horror movies. Huge horror nerd. I am such a uh, scaredy cat when it comes to horror movies. I have just. Like, literally this year, watched my first real horror movie. What was it? It was uh, Dreamcatcher by Stephen King. Okay, okay. Which isn't his best one. Yeah. But it just so happened that that following week I was going camping up in Maine. Oh, yeah, yeah. The exact same town that that takes place in. So that was a little creepy. But I basically started with the Stephen King movie. Because it seems like a good... yeah, starter kind of yeah. training wheels yeah. for horror movies. I mean, he's a renowned horror author. You know, then a ton of his uh, books have been adapted into movies. The Shining. Did you, you see know? that he like more of a formula? Yeah, right. he's been hanging. He's got the red balloon out of his window. Does right he really now to for it? Speaking of Stephen King, it his novel is being adapted into a feature film. It's coming out. This Another weekend. one. Uh, remi- is it? Are they remaking it or no? Is it, no, it's like it, a continuation. It's a whole new adaptation. Uh, of the novel um, it has nothing to do with the miniseries that came out I want to say in the mid 90s early 90s um, so yeah it is a totally new brand new adaptation of the that. book and um, yeah it should be good I'm trying to talk uh, Molly into going to see it but she's not a big horror movie fan so she uh, mm. makes me you know yeah. she leaves the room at night when I, when I turn on a new horror movie uh, so. so I've got a good feeling that the only people that will be able to give you any uh, real uh, horror movie recommendations might be our international listeners because <laughs> you post it's what it seems to be is like some Japanese stuff, Korean. And some like 
a lot of good Korean horror movies, a lot of good Japanese horror movies. Um, yeah, there's uh, Turkey has been coming out with with horror movies recently. Really? A lot of good Turkish horror movies. Um, France, uh, the you know the French are fucked up, dude. They have well, I know they were big Jerry movies. Lewis fans. If that right. tells you anything. Yeah, which is that's horrific <laughs> in and of itself. Yeah. Um, Did yeah. you know that? They love Jerry Lewis. Oh yeah, the French love Jerry yeah. Lewis. Yeah, yeah. He's a national treasure. I guess. So I don't. <laughs> I don't get it. Nah. But but no, yeah, love a huge horror movie nerd. Yeah, that was one of the that just that just stands out. I find that so interesting that it's like I don't really know if I have like a movie or other than watching like old wrestling reruns. Yeah, that's like my only weird kind of pleasure uh, that yeah. I that I you know could sit down and just like know that no one else will appreciate this except for me right yeah. now. Yeah, <laughs> I just I've got been on like a ninety nine ninety eight raw Monday Night <sighs> Raw kick. So I was never really into wrestling. I did have the wrestling buddies as a kid. Do you remember those? Of course. So, I was one of them. Okay. Oh, so, wait. Do you mean the toys? The toys, yeah. The bendy arm ones? Yeah. The they big, were, like, big action yes, figures, right? They, yeah, they were like kid-sized. And you could wrestle with them. They were called wrestling buddies. We used to go on the trampoline and have like Royal Rumbles we'll do, with these yeah, wrestling, the power wrestling buddies. And so I had those as a kid, but I was never really into wrestling. But I do love watching some of the old promos that oh like, they God. would cut like... Um, uh, uh, Randy Savage, um, Ultimate Warrior. Well, um, the uh, the Macho Man cream of the crop. Yes, is like the best. When of he the best. when he keeps taking the cream out of thin air, it's like a magic trick. <laughs> he keeps taking these little coffee creamers out and holding them up, and oh you see yeah, it, right, the coffee cream. Oh, that's cream a, that's eighties. Yeah, that's eighties. Yeah. Well, he's from Sarasota. Oh, he is. Randy Savage. No, is. I did not know. Absolutely, that. my friend Todd. Uh, went to a high school graduation, and Randy Savage's I think niece was graduating, sat right beside him. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. From Sarasota, Hulk Hogan's from Tampa. There's a huge wrestling community. In Hulk Florida. Hogan. Hulk his, Hogan. His real name is Terry Belay. You got it, bro. Yep. Scotty Tuhati's from Westbrook. We gotta figure out what to do. What we gotta do to get him on the podcast. That'd be nice. Do you remember? Yeah. Do you remember Scotty Tuhati? I have no idea who that is. He had WWE guy. So he uh, he had a. Uh, he would wear his thing was that he'd wear a bucket hat, but the top was cut <laughs> off for his flat top to come out of. And he would do, his signature move was the worm. Okay. So he'd do the worm, <laughs> and then he'd hit him with a chop, and that was the signature move. But he, I I'd just be, I he was one of my favorite wrestlers before I even found out he was from Maine. Yeah. And then I was doing some research into like a local uh, impact wrestling thing that was going on here, and I just like, where was Scotty Duhati from? And when I saw that he's from Westbrook, and I live in Westbrook, yeah, I yeah. was like, you got to be kidding yeah, me. Yeah. So if anybody has the connection to Scotty Tuhati. Oh, interesting story that you might uh, take interest in. One of the horror conventions that I went to in Florida, for some reason, I don't know why, it would be 90% horror movies and horror you know, movie stars and, and actors, directors. They would have wrestlers there. And I remember um, running into the Nasty Boys. Uh, Brian Knobs. Okay. So the Nasty Boys, they, he had like a flat top and a mullet, and they would have like like paint drips. Like their outfit looked like a Jackson Pollock painting. And um, and they were there, the Nasty Boys. They were huge. They were the biggest fucking guys that I've ever seen in my life. Like seven foot tall and like four foot wide. And, th- you know, <laughs> I just remember being like, Jesus, is that how big wrestlers are? Wrestlers are fucking gigantic. I remember the name. I can't picture them, but I remember the Nasty they were big. In, they were yeah. big in the 80s, I think, the Nasty Boys were. I remember going to a house show here in Portland when I was a kid. My dad took me and seeing Dave Batista and Brock Lesnar. Yes. Yeah. Holy shit. Like, I, I think that subconsciously wrestling 
was my initial motivation to go to the gym. Like yeah, as a kid, yeah. whenever I drive, I think you got a lot of people interested in weight training. Yeah, or the just, guys that were in shape, or just looking like that. I remember, I remember being uh, ten years old and asking my dad why I couldn't pet pop. Yeah, like, how do you do that, Dad? And he's like, "Well, son, uh, <laughs> you know what's funny? Maybe subconsciously, my favorite movie of all time, which I've been a fan of since I first saw it when I was a little kid, is Predator." No, and shit. Predator has Arnold Schwarzenegger, no, Arnold. Jesse the Body Ventura, yeah. Sonny Landham, uh, Carl, uh, you know. That's uh, one of the best. All those dudes are super jacked. So I wonder if, if deep down subconsciously, maybe that's part of the reason I was drawn to lifting. is because my favorite movie had all these ginormous muscle-bound dudes in it, you know. I, I think it had a lot to do with the what the takeoff of this industry. I, I know I always mention Arnold and Joe Weider, mm-hmm. but I think the wrestling also kicked Kind of just like yeah. the acceptance of being yeah. jacked yeah. and tan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the 80s, the wrestlers, the action stars, they yep. were all giant. Yeah, They were all like bodybuilders, you know? Yeah, I was actually just watching a, uh, a YouTube clip. They used to have bench press competitions on Monday Night Raw. What? Yeah. Oh, Mark Henry. Yeah, was well, a wrestler, and he also had the bench record at, for a time, yep, right? Yeah, uh, deadlift record. Deadlift record. Yeah, well, there was a video of him towing, pulling two semi trucks at once in. So they're in parallel; they're beside yeah, each other. Yeah. He's got one strap around yeah. one shoulder, one strap around the other. I can't remember who it was though, but there was a guy who benched six fifty five. There might have been a fake plate uh, the, or two. The, 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 yeah, and because it, it looked pretty easy. <laughs> yeah, I think it wasn't it the Million Dollar Man. Yeah, Ted DiBiase. Oh, Ted DiBiase, yeah. I think they, they loaded some plastic. I don't know. I'm sure they had some real ones. Yeah, because on he, there. I mean, it went like this. With 655. Probably 315. And maybe I, and a maybe. Few, uh, yeah. bumper plates on there or yeah. something. That's right. Oh, man. Well, this is this has definitely been the fastest uh, hour I think we've done. We're right? at an hour now? We're 56 right now. All right. All right. Any more questions for Ryan? I don't know. Why don't you do your thing? And if I muster anything else up. I uh, have... Uh, Watch, watch in maybe January, February, folks, for some coach powerlifting coaching workshops. I'm going to do here. Okay, I'm going to look for a way to maybe to get people certified as well. And some squat deadlift workshops. We did the meet. It looks like I'm not going to say anything definite, but no uh, October 28th or 29th, maybe. If I can get it later, I will. All right, I'll have answers Friday. We'll get it out on the internet. We'll 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 make it known. Okay. Um, Anybody interested in getting sponsored for their meets, contact me. I'm thinking about sponsoring some lifters with the belt, some t-shirts, maybe some entry fees for meets other than mine. Cool. Okay, so get a hold of me if you're That's really cool. If you're a serious lifter, let me know what you what you think and we'll talk about it. If you could do that beat the weekend of Halloween, that would be fucking cool. Is that that weekend? That, well, it's the 20 yeah, cuz Halloween's okay. so, uh, what the 31st. I mean, at the moment, that's what it's looking like. Yeah. I'm just I'm not going to say for sure yet. Yeah. And I had also had mentioned last week of a possible big name visitor at that meet, which that I still haven't cool. confirmed, but keep your ears open everybody because that may happen too. Ryan, I have one additional oh request boy. Yes. before we end okay. our podcast. One of the very first stories I heard about oh you. Oh no. I th- I mean oh I think God. that this might be the best gym poop story oh I've ever Jesus. heard. Can you uh can you enlighten? <sighs> Well, okay. So, I'll tell you my first gym poop story first. Okay. And then I'll tell you the one you want to hear about. Yes. Um, So, my first gym poop story, I was training at Lifestyle Family Fitness (laughs) in Lakewood Ranch, Florida. And Lakewood Ranch? Lakewood Lakewood Ranch. (laughs) And I I probably had, well, 
<laughs> they might have called it Liquid Ranch yeah, after yeah. Uh, after I got done there. Um, but uh, I was training. I was squatting, and you know, it was a typical gym. We had the forty-five degree squat racks. Yeah. Um, and I was squatting, and beside me was a typical. I, I guess you could call it like a milf lifter. Yes. Like a you know you know fit mom forty year old fit mom wearing the yoga pants and the yeah. the sports bra, and she was you know squatting you know doing quarter squats yeah. with a, a, you know ten pounds on there. Knees and, po- knees pointed in. Yeah, and I really wanted to hit four fifty five, four plates and a quarter. Um, I think my max at that time was probably like four twenty, but I thought you know what fuck it I'm gonna do it, and I um, you know worked up to like four thirty hit it. Loaded 455 on there, um, and I, uh, you know, unracked, stepped back, squatted down, thought, this is great, I'm going to get this. Came up a few inches, and just totally shit my pants, and I had headphones in, I was blurring, like, hardcore music, so I couldn't hear anything, um, and so, you know. When you say shit your pants, you mean you missed the lift, or do you mean? Oh, no, literally, uh, sharded. In my okay, pants. so yeah. he did not miss the lift. He oh no, I did miss the lift too. Oh, yeah. and he it was lit- double, so double, literal and figure. Yeah, double whammy. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. So um, the bar came right back down on the safeties, and um, and uh, nasty shard. And I I stood up immediately, and I took my headphones out, and I wasn't sure if it was audible or not. And I looked around, and I saw in the mirror, and we they, they had the squat rack facing the mirror. I looked in the mirror, and before I could even realize what was going on, the woman who was squatting she ran off. And so I don't know if she heard it or smelled it or what, but she ran. Was she actually running? She was like, yeah, she was like jogging to the <laughs> other side of the gym. And I was like, fuck. I was like, she knows what happened. Um, so then I, you know, I waddled to the bathroom and uh, cleaned myself up, threw my, my underwear away, cleaned myself up. Um, luckily, there was nothing external, you know, there was nothing like, you know, it wasn't down legs or anything. You got deep um, cheeks. Yeah, yeah, oh, definitely deep cheeks. Yeah, deep hairy cheeks. And um, yeah, cleaned up well and, uh, you know, gathered my stuff and, and, um, and left, and uh, but I just I, I keep remember I looking in the mirror and seeing that woman running, and I was like, what did that sound like or smell like for her to do that? Um, but anyway, um, so that was like the first time, and it's happened you know half a dozen times since then. Which you know, if you're uh, you're not lifting hot heavy, <laughs> yeah, enough. exactly, yeah. Um, but no, there was one time um, here where uh, yeah, same thing. I went for a PR. I don't remember. Oh no, it was the first time that I wore wraps. And uh, and so it was a PR because I was going heavy, and whoever wrapped me to fucking crank those things on, and I blamed them because I don't know what it is, but if your knees are wrapped tight, like it does something to your like intestines, uh, <laughs> and so I just remember having a Back shitload pressure. of shit, yeah, shitload of weight on the bar, knees wrapped super tight, squatted down, and. I knew that it was going to happen, and you know, just you know, another shirt. And uh, but I got the lift that time. I stuck with it, and I stuck with it. Um, and I know there have been rumors that there may have been, you know, excrement that had exited and had landed on somebody's shoe. That is a complete embellishment, um, complete and total embellishment. There, there are no biohazards in this gym. Folks. Absolutely not. No, no. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, and that was. And nothing left, you know, the shorts. I was able to, again, clean up pretty well um, and uh, come back and finish my workout. But but that time, completed the lift. So and, no one, and no one ran off. So here's the <laughs> lesson, folks. Side spot them. Don't back <laughs> That's right. Well, <clears throat> you know, I, I wear double ply, uh, double ply. Bo- boxer briefs yeah. now, so it's all, it's all pretty well contained. Oh, man. <laughs> I think with that, 
That'd probably be a good way to close up. That's right. Thank you all for listening. Uh, be sure to find us on iTunes. Leave us a five-star review. Write us a comment. Uh, write us a review. Share it with a friend. You can find us on SoundCloud as well. Just look up the Dynamax, D-Y-N-A-M-A-X-X podcast. Find our website. Find us on Facebook. As always, come try a workout. They're always on the house, the first one. Come get some built. If you train somewhere else, you still need pre-workout. No way around it. That's this is right. Where you get it. All right, and with that one, we are out. Thanks, bro. Hey, thank you guys. That was a lot of fun. We have fun. Yeah.